Uh, we talked a little bit on Tech Talk today, but we got a little bit of a different crowd here. Some of the same folks, too. Maybe uh, I know uh, Odyssey and uh, Eric and Lionhead were here this morning. Maybe you guys have time to process this. What do you think about the news that uh, there's going to be a special version of a, a, a Project Photoshop streaming beta available to Chrome on Windows and Chrome Books? I just wouldn't put it past Adobe to user agent block it. So you think they're gonna? Yeah. They'll detect you're coming from a standard Linux machine and say they'll Netflix 2.0. Yeah, is what they're gonna do? They're gonna yeah, Netflix pretty it. much. Yeah, so I, I Netflix yet. So we had TiVoization when in the early days. We're take we're in binary blobs and and what you could do with the GPL was really being struggled with. And now we have Netflixation, where it's technically possible to run something on a general Linux box, like these Android apps that we saw after a week or so. People got working under Linux. So now you have the Netflixization where it's, well, we could, we could technically make it work, you know, but we don't want to support it, so we just block it all together. Instead of, you know, it, which is really misrepresentative of the, of the early era of computing where it was have at it, you can make it work, but you're on your own, you have to support it yourself, which I think all of us in this room would be totally comfortable doing if there was a way to make photo, Project Photoshop Streaming Beta, because that's, that's its name, work on everyday Linux if you had Chrome. I think we would all take that sort of social contract that it's okay if it doesn't work perfectly under my distribution because I'm not using it in a supported environment. And you can see a real-world example of that today with Steam, right? Steam is technically supported on Ubuntu, but it's used across all of the distributions. And there's a social contract in place that sometimes when you hit a few problems that you might not hit under, under Ubuntu, it's not necessarily anybody's fault but your own. I imagine what they will do is they they will use their same creative cloud streaming stuff and they will package that up into a Chrome app with some Drive, yeah. like Google Drive specific well, so APIs. So here's how so. it's working on the – no, it's kind of crazy, Josh, and I don't know what kind of VM it is, but the way that – and I have a link to 9to5Google that goes into details. The way it sounds like it's working is they're actually distributing a VM through Chrome, through a Chrome app, and Photoshop will run inside this VM. And as per those – virtual limitations there's no gpu acceleration some of the more advanced effects won't work and there's no access to the local file system so the only place you can save with this photoshop project photoshop streaming beta the only place you can save is to google drive yeah sounds awesome where do i where do i sign up you know know, my mom like my mom's a graphic artist and she'll have like three four five six gigabyte psd files sometimes that are just this huge layout yeah so like saving that to google marketing departments you know a creative area and it's just massive yeah yeah i'd have the same thing when i was doing photography i'd have like these huge psd files taking up tons of space i'd be like great i'm running out of space because i'm doing photography what gives yeah. So I well, I I'm pretty sure this is aimed more at, you know, people who make low quality gifts for Tumblr. No, it's aimed at education. In fact, they're only going to distribute it to education at first. Yeah, I yeah. think education means low quality gifts for Tumblr. <laughs> well, I mean, let's be clear. This is obviously significant. This is it going in the right step. Mm-hmm. Initially, we weren't here to begin with. Like, it wasn't right. there to begin with. Well, and it and will be. Who knows? Maybe it'll come to Linux at some point. It, you it, know, it, like, so, act, it, us, us. It sounds like an interesting way to distribute a really thick application like this. The thing is, um, for education, you could also be talking about not just, you know, your standard public education. You could be talking about people who do this professionally for professionals and they're not necessarily going to be needing to re, uh, run Creative Cloud when you need 
actual hardware in front of you that's beefy enough mm-hmm. to do these applications. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Okay, late-breaking pre-show topic submitted by Popey in the IRC chat room. He brings our attention. You know, I love a good Kickstarter that's Linux-based. He brings our attention to Matchstick, the streaming stick built on Firefox OS. 2,668 backers, $61,000 towards a goal of $100,000 with 29 days to go. So this looks like like a uh, um, like a like a Chrome stick. What, what, what are those called? The Chromecast. I'm gonna play this. Let's see what we get. Matchstick online content on Matchstick. your TV with Matchstick. Oh yeah. Why wouldn't I? Because it's Matchstick. The first HDMI streaming stick powered by Mozilla's Firefox OS. Use your phone, tablet, or laptop to watch movies, listen to music, and play games right on your TV. Okay. No matter where you are. Powered by Mozilla's Firefox OS. And we need your help to bring it to market. Matchstick is open sourced and fully adaptable, just like Firefox OS. We can't wait to see what you come up with. Got an idea for a TV app? Join our developer network and make it happen. Help us build Matchstick and let's take back our favorite online content. Help us help you to watch whatever, whenever. All right, so uh, I love the idea of an open source uh, Chromecast. Um, You've seen how big it is. And I, I also like the idea of just keeping my TV a dumb display and putting Help the smart deliver the ultimate. You know, maybe in my tablet or my smartphone. But guys, 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 isn't the critical flaw here? You've got to have the support for it baked into every single freaking app that would ever use no, this. Because it supports the Chromecast protocol. Ah, there's the magic oh. sauce. So it's um, is the Chromecast so it's the same. Pro- is the Chromecast it's, protocol open? Or they reverse uh, engineer like, it? It's like Meerkast. I think I, I don't know if it's open, but it's you yeah. can you can create apps that will awesome. stream to Chromecast. Awesome. So that, then that means it's like because that is that's great. That is that means like this thing is going to be like ready to go with a ton of stuff out of the box. And they've opened the cool. designs up as well. Question: I already have a Chromecast. Why is this any more compelling than a Chromecast? Well, it's probably going to let you, you do more stuff. It. Yeah, I mean, oh, well, there's that. And you could use it across multiple browsers. Well, I'm not entirely sure if you could do that with Chromecast. Here's the fundamental difference that I think it does, and I'm reading the description right now, so I don't know. But uh, it looks like it streams over your Wi-Fi from your device to the Firefox stick. See, in Chrome, which is contrary to the Chromecast. Right. In the which, Chromecast, that yeah. you initiate it from a remote session, and then it pushes that content to the Chromecast. I And, and, and I actually I, I don't like the Apple TV at all, but the one thing I like about AirPlay is that all stays on my LAN. And I, I like that a lot more from just like a, like, then there's nothing that registers and logs what it is I've streamed or initiated. That's one small part. But then B, I feel like I can get a higher quality, more reliable stream if I'm doing over my well set up LAN at home that has gigabit networking and 802.11n throughout the house. So I have a better setup there. So I would prefer to stream it locally. Plus, the, the, some of the stuff I have is not stuff I'm going to have up in the cloud that I want to stream. So this, well, you, well the Chromecast has that, that ability as well. Yeah. Okay, and I think like even with Plex, uh, I, from what I understand, but it looks like the majority of it, like if I find something, for example, online and I send it to the Chromecast, it's not coming from my device. It's coming from whatever service has like a like the YouTube or or, or something like that. Right. right? And, and if you correct, want to play locally, from Chromecast, right? But if you want to play locally with with like stuff from Plex, then it comes yeah, straight yeah. from your own server over I, the network. See, that's well, that's kind of what I was thinking about doing, but now I'm thinking of now I'm thinking maybe I'll wait for this. And you can also yeah. stream the Chrome. 
not even your Chrome browser screen, but also like any uh, like my Nexus, I can stream it straight to my Chromecast. Yeah, see, I I got a Chromecast. I gave it to Matt, but I I had a Chromecast, and I was thinking about hooking it up to one of our HDMI capture ports here in the studio, and then whatever I sent to the Chromecast, I would build a I would build a pull in on on the on the switcher. But I ended up buying three of them. I've got three Chromecasts really? around the house because the kids love it. They've got one of them's got an iPhone, one's got an Android tablet, and they they stream stuff to the telly wherever they are. So this and if is... I want them to get out the room, they go to another room and stream it to a different. Pause so are it. you backing Matchstick then? Are you going to try this? Yeah. Yeah, I've already backed it. Yeah, I think I might too. I think this is looking good. I like that they already have essentially the hardware designed, so they're there. They're there in that it's, in that regard. It's a big device, though, isn't it? Oh, well, it's the first version, and it's is, behind the telly, so I don't really care. It's only slightly bigger than a Chromecast. Yeah, it looks really. about the size of the Chromecast, isn't it? Is it? Uh, well, well, that picture down the bottom with the satchel that looks bloody massive. Is there? <clears throat> I'm looking for one where it looks really big. Oh, boy, it does look huge on the satchel. You're right. Yeah, it does. Oh, wow, that is huge. But, I mean, let's be honest. If this is going to be plugged into the back of your TV, you're not exactly yeah, going to be noticing it. Yeah, but sometimes some TVs, yeah, like the HDMI a... ports, are really close together, and it's hard when you have a really thick... That, that's true. Well, that's they true. usually come with a tiny ca- the oh, yeah, an extender. With a tiny cable. Right, yeah. an extender, yeah. And Little you could always pick bolt. one up off Amazon for super cheap or wherever you get your local wires. For, for... At least it's not like the one Microsoft is trying to pull. Yeah. So, Popey, did you see what their what their target market price is once they hit production? Um, it does twenty five dollars. Twenty five. Yeah. 25. Okay, that's what I thought. So you can get a two pack for. I think I'm going to back them for thirty four bucks because you can get a two pack. I so, got the uh, twenty four developer unit because I want to get it working with Ubuntu. Twenty. You're going to get twenty four of them. No, the twenty-four dollar. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, the dude, one that's all you're gone. really going to get it working with Ubuntu. <laughs> I was like, hey, Popey, can you <laughs> send me one then? When you say Ubuntu, do you mean Touch? Yeah. Ooh, that'd be cool. Welcome to Linux Unplugged, your weekly Linux talk show, I swear, is literally powered by flannel. My name is Chris. <laughs> My name is Matt. Hey there, Matt. I, I, uh, I just, I'm getting into the Pacific Northwest spirit today, so I'm rocking a, a new flannel shirt from Costco. And it's comfortable, oh, Matt. Okay. It's, it's super comfortable. It's, it's nice. Uh, and, and so that means I'm in a good mood for today's show, because I'm, I'm in my comfort zone. So I thought today we'd warm up with a nice, delicious strip of bacon, a little whiskey and Coke, and we'd uh, <laughs> read some feedback. I also want to uh, talk about the reaction in the general public to uh, the whole shell shock vulnerability. If maybe it's just getting a little out of hand, and I want to get everybody's opinion on that, so we'll pull that in. And then we've also got... I apologize. Matt, if it smells like burnt toast when you walked into the studio today, that's just my ass hair on fire. Because oh, well, that's good to know. I'll tell you what, man... <laughs> I don't know if have you been to the subreddit in the last couple of days. Woo! Uh, Chris is uh, under no. fire, Matt. He's under fire. Oh, I, oh yeah, yeah. I, I, as soon as I see anything negative, I'm just like, I don't care. It's under, still, I'm under I fire. So it. no, it's cool. It's yeah. cool. You know what? You know what? We're gonna talk about it. We're gonna talk about it. We'll talk to the people. <laughs> That's why I want everybody to get their whiskey and bacon. So yeah. that w- that way we'll, we're gonna we'll get to that in a little bit in the show. So we'll do. We'll talk about it then. So everybody, just prepare yourselves mentally for that with your whiskey and bacon. And first, to get us started. We'll take a little walk down feedback lane with uh, our discussion around XFCE last week. And we got a couple of emails about uh, the state of XFCE. And Nick wrote in with a question looking towards the future. So uh, we'll bring in the mumble room. Hey there, guys. Uh, We're going to get to our first email this week. And I want to see if you think that maybe XFCE is just waiting around for Whalen to make its move. So here's Nick's thought. He says, I wanted to weigh in on the discussion regarding the future of XFCE. I toyed with the idea some time ago of maybe trying to pitch a port of XFCE to GTK3. 
But I eventually decided just to give up and move to elementary OS, which I'm fairly happy with. But my dream is to have a box-style window manager with modular components for a panel, a menu, and a file manager, etc. And it, But it needs to take advantage of Wayland to add subtle compositing effects and animations. Is it possible there are more XFCE fans out there who are waiting for the next generation of display managers to land before we start a rewrite of the desktop? Just a thought, well, Nick. What do you think, Matt? First thing, if you're using the words compositing and XFCE in the same sentence, you're, you're going the wrong direction. <laughs> now, I say this as someone that's done this. Now, I, I, speak, as a, I speak as a previous addict to such things. I okay. used to do this. Okay. And so I'm not ripping on the guy at all. I totally get the reasoning because you're thinking, oh, I could have the lightweight goodness. And yeah. the comp- you know, yeah. But I could also have the compositing. Right. It's like, you, yeah. really, you know, just go gnome at that point, really. Well, that's kind of what I'm wondering. But uh, okay, I, I know we have a couple of XFC users yeah. in the mumble room, guys in there. Uh, anybody feeling like uh, maybe XFC should just hang tight for a couple of years, let Wayland settle in, let uh, drivers get mature, let distros start shipping it by default, then XFCE needs to get off the pot? Is this maybe uh, any XFCE you guys want to chime in on that? Maybe that's what's going on. Maybe, uh, no, no, no. Oh, maybe that's you, like Go ahead, Wimpy. Well, have you read, read the roadmap where they've outlined where they're going to be implementing GTK 3? And that would obviously be their, their precursor to Wayland support. So You I'd sound, though, like you're doubtful. Well, that it was originally on the agenda for 4.1.2, but it's now been um, bumped. So they're going to stick with GTK 2 for, for the next major revision by the sounds of it. All right, okay. So All that right. kind of rules so any kind of early, it's, early it's... Wayland adoption. Okay, so I see what you're saying. It's kind of like it keeps getting bumped a little bit, and so now you're starting to get skeptical. Rotten Corpse, uh, I want to toss it to you. I think you're maybe our, our resident XFCE skeptic. What do you think about, uh, Rotten, seriously, what do you think about the idea of maybe just not changing something for a little while and letting the Linux ecosystem sort of stabilize and then worrying about it? Is that really that ridiculous? Well, that, if that's the case, then they've been having that same opinion for the past decade, and so that's not very practical. But hmm. if if some if other people who are not part of the current team want to fork it and make a new one that's based on Wayland or something like that, when it, when everything settles, that could be interesting. But the the team that right now their track record is, uh, we we will they'll say that they're going to do something, never actually do it. Push push everything back. Release things like on average every two years, maybe two and a half years, and um, essentially make promises that never come to fruition. See, I feel like it's it's two. Uh, there's two planes to this uh, debate. There is the uh, the the argument that you're making right there, Rotten, about uh, failed expectations, uh, the need to adapt to future changes of Linux, responding to user needs, stagnation, things like that, and then. There's also the real-world use case where uh, – I think I've said this story once before on there. But I, I worked at a school district, and when I was there, the one of the IT guys had a Debian XFCE box running on like a like an old Dell something tower. And I left and came back like nine years later, I think it was, or eight years later. And that guy was still using Debian with XFCE <laughs> on that same Dell. And exactly. it yeah. works for him. And he yeah. actually, to him, that stagnation was the number one reason he chose those, that distribution and that desktop. That was the number one features for him because he but wanted – you can have stability. You can have stability and you can have um, you know, updates 
still and and still keep the the, the lightweight stuff. For example, having Mate on Debian or right. Ubuntu or whatever. Yeah, I think I think if he was if he was going to build a box today, he'd go Mate or Mate. Yeah, is, is what he would sure. do. And I think that's yeah. I, I, I okay. We got one more thing on XFCE. Uh, Kjel writes in. Kjel writes in. It says I. Uh, I don't see the XFCE future as grim as most of your Mumble users. He says, I dug around for five minutes on the XFCE forum, jumped, jumped into the mailing list, and, well, I, what I see tells a slightly different story. I don't think development commits for XFCE are actually shown in the public Git until they're released. Hence, it looks like they really haven't done anything since 4.10. Uh, and I don't know if that's true or not, uh, but he says that uh, XFCE 4-PWM 1.4 was announced and released September 15th. It was patched just three days ago. Arch already has it in testing. Maybe the Debian could do their own testing and move from experimental to unstable. So he points out that uh, there is current development happening, and uh, there are some distributions that have newer packages. And he points out that uh, sometimes they don't commit to their public Git until it's in a release stage, which seems kind of backwards, but... He says there's also an interesting thread about 412 stabilization in the mailing list. So we'll have links to that if you guys want to check it out. He also wanted to chime in about XFCE moving to QT. He says, why would they toss out 1.5 years of coding for version... What's that? Go ahead. No? Okay. He says, why would they toss out uh, years of coding for version 4.12? That's not going to happen at all, he thinks. He doesn't think they'll be moving to QT, which was uh, tossed around. And one last piece, he says, Matea is a modern replacement. Well, I tried it several times. I've always had issues. It's nice looking, but it doesn't feel mature at all. But he acknowledges that is a subjective opinion. So there you go, some pro XFCE stuff. Um, I, you know, I thought about it after our episode last week, and I, you know, the thing that I really walked away from the conversation—I can't remember if I said this in the post show or not—but I realized after last week's show that, uh, oh, Wimpy, your mic keeps uh, popping open. I realized after last week's show that I stopped installing XFCE, XFCE about a year ago, and I was trying to think about why that was, and I, I think uh, what I came down to is there's just a lot of really great lightweight alternatives like LXQT now or Mate yeah. that just have my interest more. And it's for me, it's just a personal taste thing. And I think, I think a lot of times, you know, we have these crazy debates and um, we don't allow for personal opinion to be a perfectly legitimate deciding factor. And, and it, it goes across all things. It's not just us Linux users, right? Look at the Mac, Windows, uh, Android, iOS debates. Like, we never just leave room for personal preference and allow that to be a justifying reason. You can be an XFCE fan and enjoy XFCE in despite of all of its potential problems, and that's okay, right? And, and, and it's not like you're spending a bunch of money, <laughs> you know? I mean, maybe it's exactly. the iOS and Android wars almost make more sense because there's hundreds of dollars on the line, and those, and those and this one is just free software you're picking from. So, uh, well, yeah. I, it almost seems like what... people need to be right all the time. I, I don't yeah, know. It's like, it is, they, it's yeah. like, it's, yeah. I, I don't yeah. understand. No, and I never understood that. It's like, why did, you know, it's okay to have an opinion, and your needs may differ from mine. Right. I, that's, that's always been my philosophy. Go ahead, Lion, and what were you going to chime in with? No, I just uh, since last uh, Tuesday, I've installed Mate on every desktop I have. Really, play with it, and I find that it does everything that FX XFCE way. And yeah, yeah. I can actually live with it. Yeah, and not feel compromised. Right, um, right. Yes, that is. You know, that's a great point about Mate, isn't it? Is that They've walked the line where it's the classic desktop UI, but they keep bringing little elements of modernization. 
uh, and the functionality is there. And so you can really just sit down and you have the classic environment with a few tweaks and touches here. I think, uh, you know, uh, you know uh, we're going to get to Ubuntu 14.10 in a couple of minutes. And um, I think one of the things I'm looking forward to the most about Ubuntu 14.10 is, and maybe Wimpy and Popey, I'm right in that by 14.10, when it ships, Ubuntu Mate at that point will be an official spin of Ubuntu, right? <laughs> is that true? <clears throat> close, maybe. but not quite? Cl- cl- close, but not quite. Yeah. Good enough I, for we're, government we're, work or what? Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, gonna, we're, we're definitely going to release, um, uh, have been releasing uh, on the same schedule as the um, official Ubuntu flavors. I think we're going to miss uh, being official okay. for... Okay. 1410 but um the the work has already started and i i think that we'll will be official early in the 1504 cycle okay so i mean but uh, there will be a 1410 release that you can download and yeah, install and I all that good stuff i'm looking forward to that and we're gonna get into the ubuntu stuff in a bit but i i am i am honestly looking forward to that than i am the main ubuntu release and i'm also looking forward to the kubuntu spin more i, I and i think you know we're gonna talk about it so i don't want to spoil it but um <clears throat> That's some of where the more exciting stuff is happening in Ubuntu. So, uh, and I just don't feel that way about an XFCE spin. I know Ubuntu's out there. They do great work, but I'm not excited, you know? So it's just what I walked away with. And that's just, you know what? It's just my personal take on it. It could be there is somebody out there. There probably is people out there really excited about the next Ubuntu release, aside from the Ubuntu team, of course. Uh, And so I just, I wanted to walk away from the XFCE discussion. And I think, I don't think we really upset anybody. But I just wanted to say, like, even if all other things aside, you just don't like it or you do like it, that's okay too. And I think we should just work on accepting that a little bit. And that we'll get into and, more of that in a minute. But and and, and to to carry on with the um, positivity there about XFCE, if you are an XFCE fan, then install Zubuntu fourteen oh four, and you can be running that OS for the next five years. Right, right, very much. No, I because mean, because fourteen oh four is not going to yank or change any of the underlying libraries are APIs so that desktop is solid and good to go for the next five years so if that's your thing then that's the platform to go for right good point thank you sir your DE won't update anyway so yeah perfect wow <laughs> whoa <laughs> wow fighting words. yeah I mean I was trying to you see you see how well, I had it all like some, kumbaya some help it to was, get, like it, actual work done instead of caring about version numbers all right we don't need to get into a debate i was trying to end the xfc discussion with warm fuzzies okay now you guys are getting into it again all <laughs> well, right i mean on the plus side there should be at least one release of xfce in the next five years yeah, hopefully yeah and that's fine there you go who needs more than that not not me. All right, so before we move on any further, because uh, we do have some more follow-up to get into, and actually uh, a classic computer debate. It's not it, – it, I, I, uh, there's a few debates that I think we could retread a few times, and it changes all the time. I'm, I'm really curious to hear what Matt and the Mumble Room do, but first – I want to mention Linux Academy, our first sponsor of the Linux Unplugged show. I'm so glad they're a sponsor of our show because they are a perfect fit for our audience. If you guys just want to go out there and move your skill set forward a little bit or a lot of bit, maybe you need something to help get that next job, or maybe you just need something to check something off on the review that you have every single year, or something to help you bill or complete a contract if you've been thrown into a position where you got to catch something you know got to make it work quick you got to really hit the ground running and you got to get up yourself up to speed on like the lamp stack or open stack or virtualization or aws well linux academy has got you covered and if you go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged 
you're going to get a 33% discount. That's a great offering. So what is Linux Academy? I kind of just told you. It's really a way for you to go do self-paced training with an amazing dashboard, and you can pick from 7-plus Linux distributions, and they'll automatically adjust the courseware to match the distribution you've chosen. And they're rolling out new features. They've got videos. They've got audio, comprehensive study guides you can download and listen to or watch offline or while you're commuting. I've heard people using them as podcasts. And they're always adding new courseware constantly. They're really hustling on all of that. They recently introduced learning plans. They'll let you select your daily availability, and then they'll automatically adjust the courseware. And they'll also give you lessons and quizzes and give you status updates as you go along. This is really an awesome way, too, for myself to kind of stay informed on new technology as it emerges. Because I've back in the day, the way I would discover if I liked something is I would go implement it for a, for a job, for a client, whatever, for myself at home. And then I would be stuck either supporting something I hated or tempted to fiddle with something I loved. Linux Academy is like my healthy outlet for that discoverability. Not only because it's an all-I-can-eat approach, and they've got tons of courseware over there, so I can just keep going as fast as I can dig through it, but I can try out different areas and experiment with things that I never would have done. For example, I could be playing around with a SQL setup, and when it comes time to actually launch the SQL server and go through the backup part of it, they'll spin up the virtual lab for me. They do that automatically for AWS or any other server instance, and they're doing it even cooler now. You can do shared server instances with public IPs and domain names. It is really getting advanced, and it's all just part of your Linux Academy subscription. So go to linuxacademy.com slash unplug. Try out some of their AWS courses with scenario-based learning, their virtual labs, all of it. Their live streams where you can ask the educators questions directly, or their community where you can get involved and ask your fellow students. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. And a huge thank you to Linux Academy for sponsoring the Linux Unplugged show. Such a great fit for our audience. A lot of great opportunities for you guys. linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Okay, just a couple of bits of uh, email before we get into kind of our big topic or one of our big topics of the day. So Craig writes in with a classic debate. Dearest Matt and Chris in Mumble Room. I'm a Linux user slash enthusiast and aspiring Linux sysadmin. I'm a longtime listener of LAS, well, under a year, and a first-time emailer. I understand what Hibernate, Suspend, and Shutdown all do. So he's got the basics. I'm just curious, though. Which one is the best for a healthy Linux system? I've read that hibernation is bad in some regards. I'm not really sure why. I just kind of looked at that and thought, well, if I've been suspending, uh, maybe I should be shutting down instead. What do you guys think? What does the mumble room think? Are you worried about cron jobs not executing and cleaning your system up or your package cache not updating automatically? Do you leave your system running on all the time? Do you sleep it when you're not using it? Do you shut it down? Matt, what is your computer hygiene approach? For me, I tend to leave most – most of the time I leave stuff on. Um, if there's like a lightning storm or I'm like uh, changing out a, mm-hmm. a UPS or something, then I might actually turn things off. But for the most part, I just leave everything mm-hmm. on. I, I do too, especially in the studio where I've definitely noticed when I shut stuff down, I always have problems. For example, uh, I put the screen to sleep on the Bonobo before I left the studio earlier today. And when I got back, the capture system was no longer working because it detected the screen went blank, and so it shut off the HDMI capture port. And I had to reboot everything to get stuff working, where if I just left it all on, it would be working when I got back. I keep my server running, but that's because it's running an SSD and shuts down its external hard drive when it needs to. Yeah, that helps. Uh, so 
I mean, I leave it running. I'll probably update it like maybe once a week just to make sure the security updates are good to go. But other than that, it just stays running and I don't have to worry about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never considered that um, about cron jobs or cleaning up or anything. I just suspend the device and wake it up when I want to use it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I definitely do some of my laptops that way. It depends for me. The desktops I leave on twenty four seven. The laptops I sleep. Yeah, my, I I sleep my Makes laptop sense. as well. If I'm not around, I just close the lid and it sleeps. Yeah, and I never hibernate ever. Well, uh, it's just these days there's too you have too much RAM, so you have to have a huge hibernation file sitting around. Mm. And when you got an SSD, that's expensive. It's faster. For me, I just for me, I just end up shutting it off because you know I boot it up and. Ten seconds later, my computer's up and running and already opening programs automatically. Yeah, yeah that, that, that doesn't work for me because my pop- my Chrome has got like a thousand tabs open <laughs> and it takes ages to reload them after I reboot. Yeah, so I just yeah. suspend and wake it up. It's fine. Yeah. You know, my wife has that same problem, but for me, it uh, of the too many tabs open. But for me, it just becomes I'm just accessing my laptop so often that if I had to start it up and shut it down constantly, that's all I would do all day. Mm. Yeah. All right. Yeah, and- Oh, go ahead. Josh was saying. Josh was saying that uh, you know, you know, spins up in ten seconds anyway. So if you just shut it down, yeah, it's not a problem. Especially if we're running Linux, if we're running Windows, and it decides, oh, I need to install this update, then you're gonna have a little bit of time to wait. And yeah. so that, that's a point where suspend comes in handy a whole lot more. Stevie K in the chat in the chat room says that he just suspends to save his power bill. You know, just to save on power. Wimpy, you were gonna make a mention about ZRAM, right? Yeah, so I've I've been I've switched to ZRAM for all of my systems. So I've done away with swap and therefore have no Hibernate capability on my laptops anymore. Because without um, swap partition, you can't Hibernate unless you install some of those user space tools. So, but ZRAM works really well. And if you've got SSDs, it's a nice way to give yourself some um, relief if your system's under memory pressure. Very nice. Uh, so there's our take on uh, if we hibernate, sleep, or shut down. seems like it's a little bit of a mix, but I'm hearing a lot of leave-ons, especially for desktops. Very interesting. I also – I leave the Bonobo running 24-7 because it's in the studio. <laughs> <clears throat> Bonobo's a beast, man. And, and the nice thing about the Bonobo is it's, it's well-ventilated. So, uh, All right. So I want to move into the topic that was sparked after Sunday's coverage of Ubuntu 14.10. And before we get into that, so uh, in the Linux Action Show subreddit and in the email – there are a lot of people that apparently decided that uh, I am very biased against Ubuntu. And one of the reasons decided was that I skipped over talking Unity's touch support when we were talking about GNOME 3.14. I just want to clear the ground right now. Just quickly mention that was not me sliding Unity at all. That was just me focusing on GNOME 3.14 because we were covering GNOME 3.14. We were not covering what Unity can do. We were covering what GNOME can do. So I just didn't mention it. Doesn't mean I was intentionally, because I don't like it, leaving it out. It was because I was talking about GNOME and what GNOME was adding and what Wayland was adding. So, uh, but there is more contention over our coverage of Ubuntu 14.10 itself. Uh, it's probably, you know, people, you know what, Matt, people hate crickets, I think is what it is. People just hate crickets. I think it is. Yeah, I think the crickets may have been <laughs> yeah. uh, something that kind of set folks off. Yeah, I, I think it's funny. Yeah, but... it's just too much, I think. Should have um, been a bomb going off. And I think people love a, that. People love explosions. A lot of it boils down to a misunderstanding of. I think a lot of people attributed it to Arch fanboyism on my part, and that I was such an Arch fanboy that I was putting Ubuntu down because of it. And I think a lot of it was probably coming from people who haven't watched the shows for a long time, uh, because I think you know people. Sometimes what happens is people see that I'm pro something. I, uh, you know, I was very pro Ubuntu, very pro Unity or the desktop for a long time. I still think it's a good desktop. Uh, and so because I was pro something for a long time, 
it is to them illogical that I would now say something that is not pro because, you know, once you like something, you're supposed to like it forever. But I think people who watch me know that my opinions change over time based on results and the way things go. I'll give you a great example. Uh, I think you could go back in time and you could clearly see episodes where I was slamming on Fedora, pretty handily slamming on Fedora for maybe the entire review. Now my position on Fedora has changed quite a bit as they sort of are addressing some of these problems. I would say I still approach Fedora with some trepidation and, and some level of skepticism. But I'm, I'm impressed with the changes they're making. I'm impressed with their project leader. Obviously, we've had him on the show twice in a few weeks. In, a, in, a, in the times, of course, the second time wasn't really about Fedora. But uh, so, it, you know, it was funny because in that very episode where people saying, well, Chris is such an arch fanboy, they were completely negating the fact that we had like a 25-minute interview with the lead of the project, of the Fedora project. My point is, it's not a bias towards Arch that influences my reporting on Ubuntu. I don't have any distribution bias at all. That would be ridiculous. The reason I go with Arch is because it does everything I need it to do, and it doesn't feel like a distribution. It doesn't have politics. It doesn't have councils. It doesn't have advisory boards. It just is, and you don't have to worry about the politics and the people. It just it feels just like a meta layer on top of Linux. That's why I like Arch. Just I could just as easily switch to Fedora next when they've got that rolling. Like, I could see that happening in you know the next year or so. I don't have allegiance to any one particular distribution. I do have a bias, though. And that bias is a bias towards winning. People who are doing it right. People who are producing results. People who are coming through on what they say they will do. And... As a company, any project, doesn't have to be Ubuntu, as any project slides in one direction or the other, my coverage of that project will reflect that slide. So if they say, now I'm sorry, Poby, but let's just say there were supposed to be two phones already in the marketplace. Let's just say Mir was already supposed to ship. Let's say that Ubuntu 14.10 is the most boring Linux desktop release we've ever seen from the most important distro maker out there. Let's accept all of these things as genuine facts, unfortunate facts, but let's just accept those things. Me reporting on that does not mean I have an Ubuntu uh, agenda where I want to tear Ubuntu down. It's me reporting on the state of Ubuntu, one of the more important distributions in the market. It's not coming from an arch influence. It's coming from following these things and maybe a little disappointment. Does that make sense? Like, Matt, can you fill in? Am I missing any gaps here? I think you pretty much hit it. I mean, it's, you know, it's basically different. It really boils down to different strokes for different folks. I think it's just where it is at the end of the day. And for you, you have a specific set of expectations that one distro or another may or may not be meeting. And that could, of course, change over time. I think what I'm, I think what I'm trying to get to is it feels like the conversation, I don't know if poisoned is the right word or derailed, but um, derailed this, right. Yeah. This latching on to, oh, well, he's just saying that because he's a fanboy or Chris is too biased by Arch to cover it. Just me saying that out loud sounds ridiculous and childish. I would the, the, the concept that I would have some sort of allegiance to some Linux distribution that would influence my coverage of it is ridiculous. What I will do is identify a Linux distribution that does something interesting. And if they're doing that something better than everybody else is. I might suggest those other distributions try to adopt some of those things, but that doesn't make them invalid. I've used every distribution out there. I also don't report much on Mandriva, do I? That doesn't mean I have an anti-Mandriva bias. 
It just means they're not really moving the needle much these days, so they don't really work their way up into the coverage very often. Well, and I think it's also worth mentioning, someone will undoubtedly point out, okay, then why, are, why do we, does it appear that we, quote-unquote, rip on Ubuntu but not on Mandriva? And my response to that would be simply because we have a set of expectations for this particular distro, one that we've had a lot of great experiences with, and we just simply want to see certain right. things addressed, and that's not yeah. happening, the rel- speaking for myself. Uh, Ubuntu's relevance in the marketplace makes yeah. it more likely to receive criticism. And it also makes it more likely to receive praise and hype. I mean, there, there's two sides to that coin. Absolutely. Higher expectations. And so, like, yep. the chat room's pointing out, why do we dog on Mir and not Wayland? Well, actually, I don't really think we dog on Mir. In fact, if you trace the— hi- Mir in the last— <laughs> Well, no. But if you trace the history of our show back, when Mir was announced, we were some of the biggest defenders of, hey, let him try it. Let him give, give him space and let him do something. And we took so much shit for that. Like Matt and I dressed I, up in a monkey suit. Exactly. I mean, no, I exactly. Pick I brought the monkey suit to bed. Like we were there, <laughs> like saying, let him give him a shot. And the thing is, is it's not that we don't want them to still have a shot. It's just the fundamental fact is we're still waiting. That was that was a long time ago. That's fine. That's these things take time. But results at the end of the day are what we have to report on. That's what we have here to talk about. That's what the discussion is about. That's the reality. And so when OMG Ubuntu is in bold and italics saying there's no new features, not even a new wallpaper, what is the Linux Action Show supposed to say? What dick am I supposed to suck to make all of you happy? Because there is no dick I can find. Holy shit. Pretty much. Right? I mean, seriously. (laughs) Yeah. There, I, I mean, I, I, so we, we are working right now on a different approach to our Ubuntu reviews that I think it's, it was producer Eric's idea, and I think it's a really solid idea that will make our Ubuntu 4.14.10 reviews extremely interesting. But it is requiring a completely reformulation of the way we approach a Linux distribution because we have to find something to talk about to talk about. Otherwise, we just wouldn't review it, and that doesn't seem like a good option either. I have covered this distribution for a long time. And I've never been at a point where I've literally had no idea what to say other than bad things. So I'm working – so we're working on a new formula to come up, give the respin some attention, and, and, and really kind of have a nice comprehensive look at it. I'm pretty happy with where we're going with it, but it's required a total adjustment of our approach because of the situation we now find ourselves in. And I feel like you know, there's a lot of energy being put in by our community. There's about five threads in the Linux Action Show subreddit right now if you count threads that have also devolved into this topic. So there's two or three primary threads and one or two that have devolved into this topic. Currently live in the Linux Action Show subreddit, claiming that we are so far off base with Ubuntu 14.10 because of our biases and et cetera, et cetera. There's no way for me to tell you this. There's no anti-Ubuntu agenda here. There's no arch bias here. There is a bias towards winning. There is some Linux elitism because we've been Linux users for a very long time and we start to know when something smells like shit and we start to know when something's winning and we call it like it is. There, I will grant you the, those things. Bias towards winning and an elitism that isn't arch elitism. It's just a Linux user elitism. That just, It's just there because honestly, after you see enough of this crap, you start to tell people to get off your lawn. It's not a function of being uh, against Ubuntu. It's just calling a spade a spade or whatever the saying is. I don't even know. It's just that's, what, that, that's where we're at right now. And I, I want to address this because I'm seeing there's a lot of energy being put into this. So here's a great – and there's some great posts. I mean like a lot of thought is being put into this stuff. But it's kind of, it's kind of misguided in the sense that the trouble is we – 
we will continue to say if something's bad, we will call, I, I believe it is our responsibility if something isn't going right. We cannot sit here on this show. It is the number one watched Linux media. I cannot sit on that show and say something is great when it's not great. It is our responsibility in any way we can to help these things move along in the right direction. If that's just our voice that's just echoing the, the, the thought of some users, that's fine. If other projects watch this stuff and go, hmm, maybe we should rethink this, that's great. It doesn't really matter, but we, we have to be genuine to what we believe. And you have to understand that it's, it's, not, it's not about us going after Shuttleworth or making Popey cry or anything like that, because at the end of the day if you watch the show long enough you will know that if they start producing results if in 2015 we start seeing several great phone models come out and and it's kind of great and you know down the road uh, unity 8's got its bugs worked out and it's great and mirrors we will be beyond elated to cover that on the show i love covering stuff that rocks under linux that's why the word action is in the linux action show we like covering the stuff that kicks the most ass every single week in linux and open source i will be the happiest person trust me i nobody will be happier than chris because it'll be great content for the linux action show when they have something that we all love go ahead poppy you got your mic open you might as well go so there's a few things I I didn't know about your review until because I was away at a conference over the oh, weekend that's and then fine. someone that's fine and then someone pointed it out to me and so I I watched it a bit earlier on and there's a few things that struck me one was that you, you kind of missed the fact that we've been saying all through this release that the focus is on phone we've said it over and over again oh, and I have it. it's not VP lost on me it's not the lost VP on me it's pretty apparent said it. right but. You've waited until beta release before you decide to review it and then say it sucks because of what we've been saying all no, along, no, which is no, that we're not no. focused on the desktops. This is, this is specifically this specifically why I aired those concerns when we were talking about the beta release because I want to put all that out on the table and I don't want it to influence the review. It's out there now. Now it's not going to be part of the review. See, what I was essentially doing was taking that and 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 extracting that bit of what would have been in the review and putting it in that news bit and now when the review comes we have a that's not a review don't that us covering something and I'm I'm picking on you about this because we get this all the time us covering a news item is not us reviewing something in the show and it's no, a common you, misconception you made out like that you specifically said that we um, make a big song and dance about it, which we didn't. We've mailed a mailing list saying the beta is out. OMG post an article about it. That doesn't mean we've made a song and dance about 1410. We haven't made a song and dance no, about no, 1410 no, I, because we're not focused on it. No, I think Matt's point there was that there used to be a song and dance. And now no, there's you not- specifically said about there being a song and dance. Anyway, that that was one thing was, you know, why why bring it up when, you know, we keep saying this is not a big release. It's not the first big release that's um, that's not been uh, – that's not had major Because it's, it's more it. unusual for the in-between LTSs to be so boring. It's more often, you know, the LTS is about the refinement and the polish and then – that the big experimentation happens in the dot ten release, and that's always the well, one. Well, really, six ten didn't change much. Twelve ten didn't change a lot, but twelve ten had the shopping lens, so everybody had something to talk about. Right. But well, I, no, I think a lot of, of interesting were, things that were, happened in the ten releases, and shopping lens is obviously the big one. And this but one, those were both post LTS releases. Right. That's my they, point. They didn't have yeah, and they didn't have tremendously huge game changing things in. Are you going back to six ten? Like I mean, that's 
Well, that was the first one that came to mind. Okay, because right. the ones in the middle have <laughs> okay. had the ones the ones after that had unity, and obviously that's a massive yeah, thing exactly. for people to talk about. I mean, this, so, so here's, the other th- the, the other thing is there's it's not just Ubuntu. You 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 know, not a lot has changed in Ubuntu, but then there's. Kubuntu, Lubuntu, Zubuntu, Ubuntu right. Studio, Mythbuntu, so Ubuntu that's, Studio. I agree. That's where the interesting stuff is happening. That's just one distro. Right. It's one well, flavor of oh, the distro. Oh, now, now they're just one flavors. Now, now when that's the only place where the innovation is happening, now Ubuntu is just one of the many flavors. But, of course, when all it the is. innovations it's happening... It's always been one of the many flavors. Now, of course. Of course, it always... Yeah, they're just... Yeah, it's just one of... It's the main dog. And the point is, is all the innovation, all the excitement is happening in all of the other flavors, which... You know, it worked great I for a lot say of. There was a lot of excitement going on in any of the others either. Oh, ouch! To be honest, there's, there's some of them are in here, dude. <laughs> Look at the Mate. Not... Kubuntu's got Plasma Five preview, dude. That's great. That's that's, that's huge. In, that's not that's not in the archive for the release. That's a preview ISO, isn't it? In the same way that Unity Eight Next and, is a preview and ISO. Also, the Mate project isn't officially an Ubuntu flavor. It seems like there's a common thread, which here. is one that I didn't list. My point is specifically because it's not an official. So you don't think it's a problem that all of the interesting things are happening in all of the distros based off you? I didn't say that. I said there are other distros that uh, there are other flavors of Ubuntu, and there are interesting things going on there. You only focused on Ubuntu. You didn't mention any of the others because what I was that's the point I was making. Those others were going to those again. This was this wasn't a full review. This is an announcement of the Ubuntu fourteen ten beta. Right, when in yeah. fact, yeah. Ubuntu doesn't participate in the uh, the alphas and betas as much as all the others do. So it would be more interesting to talk about all the others on this particular release. Oh, I like how you're telling... Okay, oh, okay, right. So, uh, Popey, you don't... No, s- is that not, is that not you don't fair s- to you- say that these these guys are all participating and building up you to a beta see- release, but you so don't it would see be the- good to talk about them? You don't see the justification you're doing here? You don't see how... How by you don't see the deferment that's happening by saying, well, yeah, of course, nothing's happening in Ubuntu, but don't, don't pay attention to main Ubuntu. Don't pay attention to the most important distribution. Don't put the attention to all the one that has all the people officially working for Canonical on. Pay attention to all the ones based off of us. Pay attention to these guys over here. This is a total no, I'm change. Just saying that these others are just as important as Ubuntu. And you know, we that's we not true at all. Support. That's not true at all. And you know that's not true at all. No, that is not true. They are very important, but they are not yeah, as important as I Ubuntu. Don't... I don't believe that they're not as important oh, as Ubuntu at all. Oh, come on. Come on. No, I don't. We have an archive that has a variety of desktops, and more than there are flavors. You know, there's lots of other desktops in the archive that are important. In fact, Mate is now in the archive as well. And they're all important. None of them are. None of them I are love king. all my children. <laughs> exactly. I know, I know years ago, KDE felt themselves as the blue-headed stepchild, and that was that was frustrating because we put a lot to of work far, into they all are of them. The stuff <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. I, I, yeah, I, I'm well, not a fan. So um, <laughs> I, I think know. I think it, you know you, wait, you're entitled to your opinion, of course. I, I it's, just but think, it's not an opinion. I mean, yes, my opinion that it is dis- my, where the opinion comes in is in my disappointment. But the fact of the matter is, there really is nothing to talk about. Right. Okay. But you could argue that that's the same thing with every LTS. This isn't like an LTS it, release. No, this, the, no, the same package with every every time there's something that the release right after an LTS, it always happens. It's just more refinement to the to the LTS. Not always. The no, t- that's kind 10, of my point. 10, 12, 10, 14, 10, it's the same. You just you just listed all the ones where they rolled out major changes to the Unity Dash, including search and privacy features. You just, the ones you just named where there was massive changes. No, the 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 10, 10 was the GNOME two. 
twelve ten was a, a slight changes with the, the the adding search, adding Amazon search to it. That's not but a slight change. Part, That's not a slight change. That's a huge change. As far as functionality, it's the same. I mean, it's, it's not. It's like it's basically. All right. I, I don't want to argue version numbers. You add Amazon Search to the dashboard. That's a big change. There's a lot to talk about. When you're an LTS, just being an LTS, that's something to talk about. Okay, you guys, and it, it, we're getting down into the weeds of what versions of Ubuntu have what features. The important part is what we really. What I want to walk walk from is a that wasn't a review. Okay, we're going to do something different for the actual review where we'll look. We'll take a look at the spin. So. So don't consider that like our final opinion on Ubuntu 14.10. However, we are at an interesting point in Ubuntu's history right now. We're kind of in the thick of it. And we are documenting what happens while they are making this huge, huge, huge transition. This is what happens right now. We don't know, and we're not casting what's going to happen. We're not projecting what's going to happen. But what we do know is right now what we get. What, so what we will get in the long run is potentially a competitive mobile operating system that has some great features that could tie in really nicely with desktops and offer power Linux users a great experience. But what we have today is not a great experience for Linux power users today. And that's what we're documenting. The fact that Just we, because we released 12.10 doesn't make 12.04 instantly ob- – uh, sorry, 14.10 doesn't make 14.04 instantly right. obsolete. Actually, I think that's the interesting thing about 14.10 is in a lot of ways it doesn't change 14.04's relevance at all. You add a few PPAs to 14.04, you don't even have to change anything, right? Right. And we do hardware enablement kernels and uh, Excel backports right. to uh, the LTS release. So, yeah. So you could you could consider 14.10 to be uh, not exciting, not that much going on. So fine. that That's happened in the past. We're yeah. focused on other stuff and we'll come back to desktop next release. I kind of feel like, I mean... So why am I getting beat up on for saying that? I don't know. I, 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 that, that's, I was quite surprised myself that people reacted so badly. I, my only point was that you only focused on Ubuntu and right. didn't focus on the well, others. Well, that was a little sleight of hand because I plan to focus more on the respins later, and I figured I'd get that criticism out of the way so that way it wasn't in the review. It's all sort of pre-setting up the review. It's me kind of... So, like, so some of this was was format formatting for the show for for the arc of the story here. Like, I didn't talk about Unity's multi-touch support because we had just talked about that, and I was talking about GNOME. So people took that as me sliding Unity. And then when we got to the Ubuntu fourteen ten discussion, I didn't really talk about the remixes and the reflavors because that's what we're going to focus on in the review. Because what the hell else can we focus on? And I don't want to just spend the whole review criticizing all of the mistakes and re retrashing the software center like we like we often do. So we got it out right there in the news segment. Now it's now it's sort of like it's it's setting up the narrative for the review setting up the expectations setting up the state of things and then tell you what i'm really looking forward to this review this sounds awesome and then we deliver well we'll see i mean maybe not (laughs) (laughs) we'll see but you know so i guess people kind of jump down like uh our throats for a lot lately whenever we kind of bring up the topic of ubuntu and it, it sort of feels like there's an expectation that uh we really should only talk about the good stuff and I could agree there could be more good stuff we talk about. Yeah, uh, but we get grief for that too, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, that was that was we the do, thing. Is like know. we used to get a ton of grief about that, um, but this week it was particularly strong. So I don't know if we've helped. I don't know if we've made any sense in any of this, but I, I, I definitely want to. Well, I want to tamp down. I want to. I, I find it insulting. I find it personally insulting to be called an arch fanboy because it implies that I am so simple minded that my preference 
for one distribution over another would somehow like infect how I think oh, about was, everything in my life. When really, there was one other thing. Oh yeah, go um, on. I forgot to mention the uh, the gnome release schedule, meaning that we don't have the latest and greatest gnome in in our. Yeah, okay, anymore, that was yeah, that's a good. Which, one, yeah. That you know that's that's kind of sad, and it's a bit frustrating that we can't sync those things up. Um, it would be nice if we could, uh, yeah. but you know our six months releases have been like that for ten years. And when we had GNOME as a desktop, I think we made exceptions and would pull it in at the last minute. Yeah. But now, uh, now GNOME isn't our default desktop. So you know, should we should we bust a gut to get GNOME in there for the final release when it isn't even our default desktop? I agree. That's, I think, and yeah. and the fact that there is a pretty good PPA system in place where you can grab it, the 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 reason right. why, and I I don't think I said this in the show, but the reason why I would love to see it, just as a personal preference, is a it would definitely make Ubuntu feel much more like a contender for me to use as my daily driver. But there's there's Ubuntu Gnome Edition, uh, but also it just kind of seems like maybe while Unity isn't seeing a lot of stuff, while we're just going you know just small bug fixes here and there, wouldn't it be really cool if there was a, a you know a very fresh being worked on desktop available to me to choose from and that would be gnome 314 and to be honest with you i i honestly think a lot of linux users are going to install fedora 21 because it'll be one of the first distros that does gnome 314 out of the box and they will install it just for that reason alone and so if it would just be a nice feather in ubuntu 1410's cap if it could be like a great way to get gnome 3.14 right out of the box that's why i kind of brought it up because i think that would be a great combo while unity's kind of on the shelf but i understand you know release schedules and whatnot that's just how it goes and the ppa solve that um that's fine chat room mentions you know maybe it's not what we're talking but maybe it's how it's brought up um i think maybe that's potentially true but at the end of the day you have to understand that we have to provide some level of entertainment too so there has to be something to engage people there has to be something that makes people really feel passionate and want to you know engage with us because sometimes uh, if you just keep it really dry and boring, uh, people get bored and they tune out. So sometimes it might well, be pre- – yeah. if it's presented in a certain way that you find offensive, consider that maybe it's being presented in a certain way to grab attention. Well, and for the love of God, people, stop being so friggin' sensitive. I mean that's my <laughs> big thing. Is I, uh, first and foremost, I recommend Ubuntu to everybody. I do. And I rip on them hard because I have high expectations. Everyone I know that recently switched to Linux is using Ubuntu, and I will continue to do so because it's a good distro. I will also continue to rip on it because I care. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, throw the, I'll throw this in for you, Chris. Today I installed Fedora 21, what? Fedora 20, and Antegros. <laughs> Good, good on you. Why, good what would possess you to do so such a thing? <laughs> uh, you'll find out later. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> okay mystery, right. I like it. <laughs> um, so uh, I just I don't know. I don't know if we're going to ever re- resolve this because it's it's such a fundamental. Like, I understand. You know, you guys are really passionate about some of these projects. Some of you don't just contribute. You know, your 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 voice, but you also contribute your time and your code. Um, and I don't uh, I don't want to discourage anybody from volunteering on any open source project they're into. And I hope I hope you will maybe um, consider just stick with us for a little bit and consider that uh, our, our opinions are not. I, I I think it's a benefit to be somebody who constantly reevaluates the way they think about things and their opinions of things. And you can see over time those will transition. Um, there's a lot of things over the history of the Linux Action Show where we were, came down pretty hard on something, and as they were as those things were addressed, our our our. I mean, I. I but GNOME is another one. GNOME 3. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, no, and, and the reason was is at first GNOME 3 was no good. It just was no good. And it has gotten a lot better. And now our, our tone, our coverage of GNOME has changed to reflect that. It's, it's 
just kind of natural if you think about it. It's not that weird. It just it does, it's it, it just kind of it's not a fanboy thing. It's it's just actions speak well, louder than words. And, and here's a tip for folks that want to that want to bring up a legitimate point. If they want to bring up legitimate concerns like I have a concern with blank and they want to address that concern directly, that's a conversation like what we did here today. If they're in the Reddit, you know, on Reddit and they're all like, oh, that's just, they're just ranting and raving. Blah, 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 blah. If they're not bringing up specifics, it's noise. I don't care. If they bring up specifics, it's a conversation. That's your differentiator. If they're not having a conversation, don't waste your time with them. If they want to talk about specifics like we did today, that's awesome because that's progress. And that's just my view. <laughs> I agree. And uh, um, yeah, anyway. I I, uh, I hope I hope that uh, we'll find a good way to to, to tackle Ubuntu fourteen ten. And it's going to be interesting too to see how the reviews go because yes, yeah. a lot of people are going to have to reformulate the way they review a distribution. And uh, I think some will do it successfully and others won't. So we'll see how that works out. Yeah, I think we just take tackle one thing at a time, yeah. uh, a concern point. Let's tackle that. Let's have the conversation. Move on to the next concern point. And that's all we've got to do. I like points. I think you've got to think yourself lucky that this release is a nice, calm, relaxed, not too much changing <laughs> going on. In the next couple of releases, <laughs> you're going to start seeing Unity 8, <laughs> Mia, Converge yeah. Desktop, yeah. new apps everywhere, yeah. cute and everything. So, yeah. I think uh, a, a, a cauldron, storm. if we will. Yeah, I think yeah. it could be like we could be literally this time in a year sure. or so. Be like, gosh, remember when we were complaining about it being boring? Gosh, I think boring <laughs> back right now. <laughs> You're gonna have to have extra shows to cover yeah. all the crap that we're so, special through. edition, <laughs> special edition. Well, I provide support for a lot of Ubuntu desktops, so this stuff matters to me. You know, certainly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Maybe it'll be a new market, Matt. Uh, speaking of a new so, market, uh, Ting's trying to make the mobile market. industry a brand new market. Let me tell you about Ting.com. Go to Linux. .ting.com. They're our next sponsor of the Linux or oh, almost a Linux Action Show. I almost Whoa. don't give don't give those jerks over at Linux Action oh. Show credit. They don't deserve no. it at all. Never. But I've heard they're just a bunch of Ubuntu hating Arch fanboy jerks. So don't give them any credit. Give these Linux Unplugged guys credit. They're much nicer. Linux.ting.com. That also take twenty five dollars off your first device. If you've got a Ting compatible device, well then they'll give you a twenty five dollar credit. That paid for more than my first month of service. And and. Ting is always busting out ways for their customers to save money. They have a blog post up right now over at ting.com slash blog, but go to linux.ting.com first. And it's basically, here's how you can get free calls on Ting. <laughs> it's essentially, it's, it's uh, routing your calls using Google Hangouts over Wi-Fi, and they just lay it all out there for you. Now think about that. Think about what that means. That means you're not going to rack up as many minutes. That means they're going to make less money. Ting don't care. They're honey badger. No contracts. No early termination fees. And you only pay for what you use. It's a flat $6 a month. And they take your minutes, your messages, and your megabytes. They add them all up, whatever bucket you fall into at the end of the month. Son, that's all you pay? Shoot. Can you believe that? My bill's like, I mean, I got... I got three lines, and my bill's like 40 bucks now, but that's it for three lines. I got three lines. I got that's nuts for 40 bucks, and that's with data and hotspot and tethering, picture messaging, caller ID all included. Of course, I'm using a bunch of data, and I don't use a lot of voice. And if you flip it around, it's just whatever you use more of, that's just what you pay. It's a really slick system. And of course, now Ting is officially welcoming the iPhone 5S and 5C. So if you've got a compatible device and you want to bring it over, go get some more life out of your iPhone 5C or 5S. Bring it over to Ting with no contract, no early termination fee. It makes this a great device for kids, too. This is a really super way to get your kids something that has a data connection, but only pay when they actually use it, which is nice. They also have some great MiFi hotspots that work excellent for that same kind of thing. So go to linux.ting.com. Try out that savings calculator. Put in what you actually pay for right now. So uh, the, the minute plan <laughs> and, the, and the megabytes that you have to prepay for and the messages you have to prepay for, plug all that in. Uh, but just plug in your usage, not 
not what you are paying for, just what you actually use. See, that's the that's the entire difference with Ting. It's what you actually use. You're not buying the prepaid stuff, the the extra minutes in case you use them. And the oh, I might go over four gigs, so I better get the six gig plan. That's ridiculous. And you go into that savings calculator, and it'll show you how much you could really save. You could be like Rotten Corpse in our chat room. I think he was going to save like twenty five hundred bucks over two years. He could get himself a new laptop every two years by switching to Ting. Linux.ting.com. They've got a great dashboard, no-hold no customer service, too, which is quite awesome. So a big thank you to Ting for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. Okay, Matt, moving right along. Um, I just got a quick topic I wanted to toss to uh, you first, Matt, because you've been around a while, and then we'll toss it to the folks in the mumble room. And it starts with uh, an email we got from Anon, and it kind of got me thinking, and I wanted to bounce it around to, from you guys and see what you think. He says, the bash bug. Um, shell shock, I almost called it heart bleed, shell shock, blown totally out of proportion in regards to the structure. Without direct terminal access, apart from Slack code and CGI scripts and maybe PHP. That's why this is way overblown. It takes an exploit to run an exploit with a script injection. In my humble opinion, it would need an exploit to run shell shock. I'm not sure it embedded stuff, but it doesn't seem like a big deal to me. Media is playing it, playing it way over. There's a culture of cyber threats now that is taking this stuff, giving it fancy names, logos, websites. Everybody's freaking out about it. It's on Good Morning America. It's on CBS Morning News. Matt, is it legitimate? Are we finally seeing people get worried and motivated to fix security problems? Or is this just the industry overreacting, creating jobs? Um, I don't think it's the industry overreacting. I do think that you will find that with non, with folks that are not in the know, that they're looking at these types of situations, and they generally happen on a kind of a plateau or like a mountain type situation, to where we'll reach our peak of oh my god, it's Y two K, and and then after after that's over with, um, we'll have all these extra food stocks and we'll be living on beans for the next ten years. <laughs> oh my gosh, it, I have some friends that did that. <laughs> oh yeah, so did I. So did I. I. Oh my gosh. So you know, I think it's one of those things. Now, I think the bigger problem that we have to remember is that most people outside of uh, security and IT will only care as long as the news cycle cares. Once the news cycle's done, they're done. And then the IT and security people are left picking up the pieces, shaking their heads, going, God, people are idiots. And I think that's really where we're at. So, uh, Wimpy, you said you had something brilliant <laughs> from your local uh, press there? Yeah, so I, I was sent an email over the weekend from a colleague of mine from a newspaper that they were reading, and they were like, oh my goodness, are we safe? And I thought I'd just read two paragraphs from yeah. this coverage. <laughs> okay. So um, it starts here. Government databases, home computers, and global websites are at risk from a security flaw found in hundreds of millions of devices. Uh, the, the next paragraph is called <laughs> Shellshock. It could allow criminal gangs to take control of computers, and this is the bullshit, smartphones yeah. and tablets. It means credit card details, passwords, and sensitive data are at risk of being stolen. Oh, my goodness. This article goes on and on and on, and it talks about computers and the web and blah, blah, blah. And do you know what? They mention Linux once. Hmm. So I'd say that's a yes. It is being overblown. Um, but yeah. is that a bad yeah. thing? Well, it is because this is what the likes of my mum and my dad read, and they suddenly think that all of their things are at risk. Uh, it creates oh, a techno-fear culture. Exactly. And then there's the people who are calling bash the bug yes and yeah. it's like how do i uninstall <laughs> bash my os 10 machine right right yeah <laughs> oh gosh that is when the but, worst you know when and, and this 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 i'll call him out it's by ben spencer of the daily bail and he's apparently their science reporter I mean, oh, like, science. 
Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is that these sorts of articles, you know they're bullshit when they refer to... So the headline is, Cyber Loophole Discovered. And he refers to cyber security experts. Well, as soon as you put cyber in front of security, your article has got no credibility whatsoever. Cyber loophole alert. Warning is computer security flaws puts millions at risk of exposure to criminals. That's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I'm going to save this one. Oh, I love, I love, I love the uh, fear porn. This is some good fear porn right here. Oh, and here he is tweeting examples of a vulnerable Mac. (laughs) Oh, gee. <laughs> oh, it's can good he time. just be censored from the planet, please? I just want him out of there. No kidding, get him out of here. Well, so, uh, oh, go ahead. Well, I was I was just going to follow up saying, you know, whilst whilst there is some concern yeah. over this, and and there are some ways that this could be exploited, but it's certainly not on smartphones and tablets. You know, it might be on some aged Q mail server that you're running yeah. mail filtering rules with a bash script, for example, or it might be on some aged CGI server that you're you know passing to um you know a, a, a bash back end or something but oh, this is this is not quite the apocalypse that it's been drawn out to be i am so glad that blaster is also just as annoyed by the term cyber oh i'm so sick of it i'm so yeah. sick of cyber uh it's just uh, yeah who is it the uh fbi guy who oh right to... yeah Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that was the worst. Uh, that was really the worst. Cyber's uh, bad. Yeah, yeah. Cyber this, cyber that. Yeah, they're really it's, – it's becoming like an industry around it. It really is truly becoming this sick sort of make money off of the fear. Uh, people who are, have no computer skills, no, tech, uh, no technical expertise at all can sit here and pump up the fear about this stuff. They just jump on it. They, they, they glom onto these situations, and, and they just – they make it the war- like they they just scare everybody. It is, uh, yeah, I don't know. It is. It's it is just a-, a lot of unintentional fud, is what it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Um, all right, guys. Well, uh, so I had a I had a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Um, I think uh, I think I wanted to read this uh, post that Andrew. I'm not sure. I'm not going to get Andrew A. I'll just say and just get your take on this, and then we'll move on from the bash uh, bug thing. Uh, but uh, he said, dear clueless assholes, stop bashing Bash and GNU. <laughs> yeah, that's, uh, that's how it starts. That's what it says right there on the screen. It says, uh, this is a defense of the most prolific and dedicated public servant that has graced the world in my lifetime. One man has added hundreds of billions, if not trillions of dollars to value in the global economy. This man has worked tireless, tirelessly for the benefit of everyone around him. It is impossible to name a publicly traded company that has not somehow benefited from his contributions, and many have benefited to the tune of billions. In return for the countless billions of wealth the people have made from the fruits of his labor, he was rewarded with poverty and ridicule. Now the world is done taking now that the world is done taking from him, they're heading for the next step, which is vilifying him as incompetent. I speak of Richard Stallman. Well, first of all, we are the world. We are the children. Let's get that out of the way. Um, (laughs) Secondly, my God, what a – okay. Secondly, you know, I I agreed with everything until you went into the financial end of it. That's a personal choice in my opinion. He says by bashing bashing Bash, we are slamming Stallman and Gnu. What do you think, Rotten Corpse? Uh, I think that um, they're giving giving, uh, uh, Stallman way too much credit for what they've (laughs) actually done. Right. So the project has the project. done a ton, but RMS himself just kind of organized it. 
Well, I mean, now He's more so than ever, guy. yes. Right. Yeah. Advocates for it, and he helps a lot of things get done. But as far as most of the stuff he does is, is um, you know, he he does documentation, which is important. He does translation helping, which is important. Yeah, I mean, I don't even I don't even see discussion of the bash shell vulnerability really an indictment of Richard Stallman at all. Um, he's not long. He's not the current maintainer of it. I don't really. I don't even he see didn't it as even a, make it in the first place. I don't we, even see we it need as a, a straw man victim. That's what this is. Is we need a straw man victim, and that's that's all it is. Okay, so I wasn't sure because I wasn't. I, I I guess why I'm I, okay, but I want to bring this to the human element of it for a second, and we have to acknowledge that these open source projects that we talk about, like OpenSSL and Bash, sometime come down to one, two, three people human beings that are working on this, and then this stuff becomes worldwide news. Could you imagine if some open source project that you poked away at over the years all of a sudden was the attention of the entire world and they were saying such horrible things about it? I'd be scared. Oh, yeah. No, I I can definitely see that being a thing, So, which something that Stallman does very well. He is able to get onto various uh, news outlets, and believe me, they're going to be more than willing to have have it, especially considering his history. And he's he's a very good... Uh, diplomatic point. figure that can st- state the case and actually have a, po- a great podium to preach things that are important to yeah. him, which I'm willing to argue that his views are more important than the FUD about Bash. I will bet money on that. Yeah, that, you know, that. that is a really – RMS is really good at going on anywhere that will yeah. have him and really kind of making his case exactly. regardless of the agenda of the host and things like that. So There it is. Yeah, yeah. You, you know what? We don't need to fight for RMS. He is totally no. capable of defending himself. That's a great yeah. point. Uh, all and, right. And logically defending himself on Every front he gets. I am Absolutely. I am giddy as a schoolgirl. The last thing I want to touch on today, <laughs> I can't believe I waited till the end of the show because I am so freaking excited. First, though, I want to tell you about something else I'm extremely excited about. That's the awesome folks over at DigitalOcean, our last sponsor for Linux Unplugged today. DigitalOcean.com has got a great offer for you that it's the month, it's the end of September already, which, yeah, that blows my face off too. I don't even know how that happened. And like the last month, my son started school. Uh, I, I we're, we're working on some new secret projects in the background, and September just flew by you hear that that's september flying off into the wind but you know what i still see when i look at that oh there it goes there it goes unplug september unplug september you can still use that to get a ten dollar credit over DigitalOcean. let's rock support for september on linux unplugged over at digitalocean.com so what is DigitalOcean? I'll tell you what DigitalOcean is. It's a simple cloud hosting provider dedicated to offering the most intuitive and easy way to spin up a cloud server. You can probably get started in less than 55 seconds and pricing plans start at only $5 per month. That'll get you 512 megabytes of RAM, a 20 gigabyte SSD, one CPU, and a terabyte of transfer connected to tier one bandwidth. DigitalOcean has data centers. In fact, go check out their Instagram they have some da- some data center porn that they posted that is awesome. They have data center locations in New York, San Francisco, Singapore, Amsterdam, and London. Brand new one there in London. IPv6. Coral West. It's so fancy. I'm going to put one over there just so I can say <laughs> I have a data. I have a server in London. Yeah, that makes me feel fancy. Don't judge. They also have an amazing interface with an intuitive control panel. And you can replicate that control panel on a larger scale with DigitalOcean's straightforward API. And that Ubuntu OS that I hear some of you like, guess what? They have a notification applet thingy for your uh, uh, Ubuntu. I forget what it's called. But you can get one of those little applet thingies for Ubuntu. Is it uh, Ubuntu? Uh, 
Uh, Ubuntu, Ubuntu, Ubuntu. 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 Anyways, they got an applet that <laughs> just uses that, that DigitalOcean API, and you can manage your droplets right from your Ubuntu desktop. It probably works on other districts, too. I don't know. I only use Ubuntu, so I've never tried anything else. But you can go to DigitalOcean.com, use the promo code Unplug September to get a $10 credit, try out the $5 rig for two months, and trust me, because of that 20-gigabyte SSD, your I.O. density is insane on these things, and you can get a ton of machine for $5 per month. It is nuts. The value is has never been where it's at right now, all backed by Linux and KVM with great data centers all over the world. DigitalOcean.com. Unplug September when you check out to get that $10 credit. And a huge thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring Linux Unplugged. You guys rock! I got so many droplets, I'm like the droplet king. That's what people call me now, Matt. They just say, hey, droplet king, what's up? And I'm like, oh, you know, spinning up droplets. How I Dropping roll. Dropping the lits. Dropping Dro- the lits. <laughs> Dropping the lits, Matt. All right, we got to do, uh, do a valve update. I don't know why. I can't help myself. I'm a child on the inside, but I am so, 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 so freaking excited to announce that Borderlands 2, one of the best first-person shooters of all time, is now, as of today, available on Steam for Linux. It has... It has a RPG like uh, where you can upgrade your web, your guns. There's so many different types of guns. You can modify them. You can. It has a whole skill tree system to it. But at the end of the day, it's also an amazing first-person cooperative shooter. And it also it has this great cel-shaded look to it. I, I played it. I think on the console when it first came out. I think it might have been that Borderlands right. One. I played on the. I can't remember, but I love the Borderlands series so hard. And there's a Borderlands prequel coming to Linux soon too. And this is just the icing on the cake because as of – I don't know how long, but as of today, it's on sale for 75% off. It's normally uh, like 20 bucks. Right now it's 5 bucks. Great nice. deal. This is a great game that just hit Linux. This is – when we talked about Steam coming to Linux, this is one of the games I wanted to get here. This is huge. This We are seeing some some amazing games come to Linux this week. Uh, and we'll have some more in Linux Action Show, but I don't know how long that deal's going on, so I wanted to get the word out right now. You guys can go out there and pick it up for a great price. And remember, we got some questions into it's the show. It's around about 40 hours the deal goes still on. Oh, okay, 40 hours. Perfect. So so for people to get in the download, we'll be able to grab it too. The prequel is officially confirmed to be coming to Linux the same day as the Windows version too. So go out there and play it because when the prequel comes, day one Linux support for the new Borderlands, which is awesome, which makes me want to get the current one even more. Now here's the thing. You have to buy it from your Linux box, okay? Buy it. Don't buy it from the web. Don't buy it from a Windows machine to play on Linux. Please try to buy it from your Linux box so that way it's registered as a Linux purchase. If you've already bought it ahead of time for for Windows, like you already own it, like that's happened to me for a bunch of games that I just bought ahead of time during sales, you have to play it for a couple of weeks under Linux before it's counted as a Linux play. So keep that in mind when you're buying Steam games. The only reason we mention this is because I think sometimes... I have, and I so I'm assuming maybe some of you have out there. I've pre-bought a few games that I knew were going to come to Linux, and I got them on sale. And unfortunately, when I did that, I just put another check mark in the Windows column, and I feel really bad about that now. So if you're like me and you want to, you want to actually make sure you can demonstrate your support for Linux, you do have to buy it under Linux. Uh, go ahead, Colonel. Linux. You had a question about uh, Linux Steam sales. There was a huge. Uh I'll just say discussion, for lack of a more polite term, in the mumble room like two nights ago. Um, do you know with any certainty if the sale is tracked by Steam on which OS it's purchased on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
how sure are you? Like, can you give? Can you cite a source for that, or is that just your belief? Um, I believe the original clarification came from a developer AMA on Reddit. Okay. And the and the way it works is uh, is uh, it's it's whatever OS is purchased under, and then and then after that, what supersedes that is whatever OS is played under for a two week period. Right. That and, was my understanding, and that's what I articulated in the mumble room, and then. Then insert three hours of nonstop now, arguing. Here's where the complexity comes in. There is a bit of a wrinkle to that. So you take a company like Aspire or Aspire who ported over. Um, what game did they just port over that was really good? Wasteland Civ Two. Five. Can't remember. No, it wasn't Wasteland Witcher Two. Civ Five. They did the Civ Five port. Great, great example. Uh, so they don't even get money unless you buy that under Linux. So if you buy Civ Five under Windows and then play it under Linux for two weeks. It'll get counted eventually as a Linux player after two weeks of time, but they will never get the revenue for it. And wow. this is on Steam? This is on Steam. So if a company is contracted like Aspire, which does great work, to port a game, they only get paid when you specifically buy the Linux version after it's been released by them in the Steam store. And what that is exactly on... why That's exactly why I'm holding off on Civilization Beyond Earth. Is I'm yep. waiting for them to land it yep. for Linux because they're going to be the porters of it, so... Yeah, so this is, this is I used to pre-purchase too when the sales were good, and now I've stopped doing that. And so, but thankfully, like Borderlands Two came out on sale seventy five percent off. So I'm like, all right, all right, it was good waiting. So I, 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 and I know a lot of us care about showing support for Linux. I mean, you know, that's why we buy a lot of the things we buy and 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 have a lot of the sponsors we sponsor or have sponsor us because they are Linux based themselves and they promote Linux. Uh, and so it's important to me, so I wanted to pass that along to you. So it's like a little Steam Pro tip, I guess. Plus, Chris, you can go get Borderlands. Chris, did you see the Valve Collection is on offer as well? Yes, I already have that. But that's that, about 19 hours left to go. That's a really great deal, too. All the really good so Valve as games. A, as a Steam newbie, I picked up 23 games for 18 quid. Yeah, it's a, good it is a good time. Bargain. Oh, yeah. look, you know what? Yeah. You can pre-purchase the pre-sequel right now, and I think it will count as a Linux purchase. Because they have it. See, the way you can tell is if they have the little penguin by the add to cart, then you know if you buy it under Linux, it will be counted as a Linux purchase. So and they already have that up for the uh, uh, the pre sequel, <laughs> the pre sequel. That's fine. But yeah, that Valve Collection has about another uh, nineteen hours left on it before it goes back up to the regular price of ninety nine dollars. It's seventy five percent off. Yeah, I'm looking for. I'm, I'm wondering why they don't have like a, a banner for it right now because it's a really great deal. I actually, it was I actually really hard to, to find. A, <laughs> yeah, I had to do a, a search for it actually off of yeah. Google. I'll, uh, yeah. I, I did as well. I couldn't find it through the Steam. Store, the Valve Complete Pack, it. yeah, it's twenty four bucks it. right now, and I will link to this in the show notes too, so that way you guys don't have to go search for it like yeah, I did. It's close to one hundred and fifty dollars worth of games for twenty four bucks. You can't beat it. No, you get you get the Portal series, you get Left for Dead, you get the Team Fortresses, you get your Counter Strikes, your Half Lives, all the Half Lives. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between CS:GO and uh, Borderlands two, I don't know. I'm gonna be able to get any work done anymore until the next. Day. How much? Uh, <laughs> how much do I have to pay to get it all open? So- oh wait. Uh, so by the way, uh, minimum requirements for Borderlands 2 on your Linux box, uh, you're going to need an Intel Core 2 Quad or AMD Phenom uh, X4, 2.4 gigahertz, 4 gigs of RAM, 13 gigabytes of hard drive space, and it, this is actually not bad, a GeForce 20, uh, I'm sorry, a, G, a GeForce 260 minimum video. That's, I think the cell shading gives you a lot there. Uh, so here's an interesting note they put on the Linux requirements. They say, does your, your machine doesn't meet the above specs? Doesn't mean your configuration won't run Borderlands 2. <laughs> nice. Yeah, they, essentially the nice. way they put it is uh, uh, 
uh, you know what? It looks like Aspire ported Borderlands 2 as well. Because it says, if you have any problems with Linux, please report to the Linux port. Yep. Please please report them to Aspire. Well, that's now, now I'm even more happy that it was an Aspire port. Well, it's, a def, it's a direct port instead of a yeah. box. It's, yeah, exactly. Instead of the, uh, yeah, the, yeah, the whatever that wrapper thing was. Wine or whatever you think. Yeah, yeah. And also a, <laughs> a, a little plug for Linux underscore gaming. That's a good subreddit where you can get news. Linux underscore gaming. Um, not right. a great name, but good subreddit. All right, well, that'll bring us to the end of uh, today's episode of Linux Unplugged. Uh, join us on Sunday for a new episode of the Linux Action Show. We do that at 10 a.m. if you'd like to join us there. Of course, we do this show on Tuesday starting at 2 p.m. Pacific. I don't know what time that is where you're at, but you can go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar, and our robots will automatically convert it to your time. So that's pretty handy. And don't forget, we love your feedback. It's a huge part of our show. Go over to jupiterbroadcasting.com, click the contact link, and then choose Unplugged from the drop-down. You can also go to linuxactionshow.reddit.com. That's our subreddit. Feedback is appreciated there. As you can tell, we pay attention to it, and we try to cover it in the shows. It's also just a great way to get Linux news throughout the week. And then while you're there, vote things up or down. Just give us an idea of what you like to see covered, and maybe leave a comment, and we often sort of incorporate your insights into our coverage. We have an extremely intelligent audience, and we find your insights very valuable. They are a great resource for our show. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. All right, Matt. Well, have a great week, man. Yeah, you too. And uh, I will see you on Sunday. We should have bacon again. So Excellent. I know, right? And I just put some Coca-Cola in the fridge, so it'll be nice Much and cold appreciate for you. appreciate it. No problem, Thanks. Matt. No problem. All right, everyone. Well, thank you for joining us this week. Go over to Twitter.com slash ChrisLES to follow me. That's where you'll find announcements about live shows. Also have links to uh, Matt's social profiles, like Matt's on G+. Quite often, you can go find him over there, Matt Hartley. We'll have links to that in the show notes. And uh, don't forget, that subreddit. Go over there. LinuxActionShow.reddit.com. Make a difference. If you want to see us cover more Ubuntu stuff, submit it there. You want to see us cover less Ubuntu stuff, let us know. We'll take it all over there, including the feedback. It really is a huge part. This show is a community show, so it's a huge part of what we do. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for this week's episode of Linux Unplugged. We'll see you right back here next Tuesday. Bye. fools. Oh, there we go. There we go. Chris, you complete kind of bastard. <laughs> what happened? I've just bought Borderlands 2. <laughs> yeah, I, I just bought it myself. Okay. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm going to do it after I the show. I am buying it right now. You know, I'm going to go buy it right now, too. What the hell? We'll all buy it together. It's five bucks. I was about I'll to buy it, it, but then I realized I already have it. <laughs> Guys, if Oops. you need someone to play Actually. with, I have 1,200 hours in the game. Whoa! So you know. Holy crap! Wow. You know, there's also... That Civ 5. We should do, like, a pre-show, last pre-show, Borderlands 2 thing. That'd be fun. I forgot to mention yeah. it, but there's also... Like a bunch of DLC you can buy for another five bucks. Oh, the nice. pre the pre sequel is sixty bucks right now. Holy crap! Oh, I think yeah, I'll just wait. wait for a sale on that one. Yeah, I think I'll just wait yeah. for a sale. I mean, I want to. Yeah, I can. I can show my Linux support when they release it, just as much as I can show it during the pre order for probably less money. <laughs> 
Uh, all right, jbtitles.com. Got to pick a title, everybody. jbtitles.com. Let's go. So I had a question for everybody, if you don't mind. Go, man. I mind. We do so, mind. Uh, well, I've been tr- racking my head around so- something. You know, I love all Linux distributions. But when it comes to being marketable in the workplace, mm. I try to figure out which one to specialize in. Mm-hmm. So maybe Dang. I can get some in put from you guys and give me reasons why as well good question well, what are you trying to do in uh in the uh, industry i don't know be employable how's this for an answer eric <laughs> on the server side uh i've worked exclusively with uh, no I'm, i take that back i've worked ex- uh, i've worked almost exclusively with red hat and i've seen one debian server and uh on the desktop side the two choices that business will allow me to install are ubuntu and OpenSUSE. Ooh, I and I and I would say that uh, my experience working with servers, I've only seen Debian and Ubuntu servers, and never seen a Red Hat CentOS server. So there's some balance <laughs> and, there. And, for you. and my experience wow. has been a lot of places that have Red Hat servers often kind of wish they had Debian or Ubuntu servers. Oh, that's true though. I'm actually not <laughs> wow. kidding. That's actually legitimately true. Now the difference is, is it's it's I have probably seen. It, it depends, Eric. So on on premise, I see a lot more Red Hat or CentOS. Uh, actually, I see a lot more. Sen- I've yeah. seen a lot, but in 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 hosted environments in the cloud or brand brand new infrastructure, like they're building a server for the first time, like an internal LAMP server or something like that, it's really often Ubuntu. Interesting. So maybe it's a good idea to be specializing in both ecosystems then. If you, can, if you know, sen- if you know CentOS and Ubuntu, I don't see how it would make that more difficult, really. I'd say yeah. look at your region, because uh, the region and area that you want to work in, and see which type of company. The the size of the company and the structure they have often impacts the software they use, and as a result, in the area that you want to work on, you focus on that. It doesn't matter. You can actually come and uh, ask what kind of software they use. If you are a sales guy, you will get this information, because people are willing to talk about the cool stuff they have in house. Okay, so here's what I'm thinking. Here's what I'm getting from you guys. It's a good thing then to have the know-how from both the Ubuntu families, which would cover Debian as well, and from CentOS, which would cover Red Hat mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I think that's yeah. yeah. I think that's two really good ones to focus on for yeah. employability skills. Yeah. And here, here's another okay. thought. You know, food for thought, Eric and Chris. You tell me if this has been your experience as well. Very rarely, at least in big organizations, have I ever gone to work where they just say, "Have at it, Hoss." Here's a, yeah. most times. There's a senior admin on staff that says, "We want these very specific things done," and then they essentially describe to you, dictate to you what it is. So it's not like you walk into to us i mean every once in a while it happens but usually you don't walk into a site and they're like we have problem xyz and we need you to craft a solution usually they're dictating something so okay we right, have right, right. let's let's talk about titles for a second then we'll go back so we i i like a storm is brewing calm before the storm and who do i have to blow but we probably shouldn't go with that as a title <laughs> <laughs> i don't know it would get quick <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true that was a great one by dave there uh, calm before the storm is pretty good. Uh, a storm is brewing is also pretty good. Poppy runs Chris. <laughs> yeah, uh, I think I think calm before the storm is actually apt and accurate. That's okay. a good one. Did somebody say apt? Oh, <laughs> oh. let's app dash get Odyssey Westra's title suggestion. Ouch! Sweet. It hurt Go, to say it, Mr. Westra. Mm. Yeah, Eric. I uh, you know uh, it's it's 
going back to the, there's a lot of different ways to look at distributions and how what makes them relevant. You know, like what agenda can they push forward? Could be one way to look at it. Uh, what is the most employable? That's another way to look at uh, which has the most faces staring at the screen. Uh, if I want to develop an app, that's another way to look at it. Which one gives me the best satisfaction? That's another way to look at it. It's like, and everybody's coming at it from different perspectives. And so, you know, like you I'd know, say. If employability is the thing, the region he wants to work or yeah. needs to work in is the key. Right. That's right. his limitation. Yeah, and there's like, there's some areas where open or where uh, SUSE Enterprise Server is the, the top dog. And that's typically like Europe and whatnot. And over here, seems like this continent really likes Red Hat. Mm-hmm. That's at least why I've been getting. And that might be because Red Hat is based in North Carolina. Here's, yeah, so it's an American here's company. A, here's a really super crazy ass, don't like bet your life on it, rough rule of thumb to follow. If it's if it's a product driven by developers, you and that's the area you're going to go into, like small businesses where somebody created something and they formed a business around it, they're going to be using Ubuntu. If it's an established business where they've been around for a long time, maybe they've been calling it the MIS department since the 80s, they're going to be running Red Hat. So whatever okay, you're exactly. targeting, that's so depending on which ones you're targeting, that's that would be a really kind of crazy ass loose rough rule of thumb to follow. Here's another crazy ass loose rule of thumb to follow. If you judge them and they have character, they'll be running Red Hat. If you oh, wow. judge them and they don't have character, they'll be running Ubuntu. I see, I see. Okay. There's a truckload of companies out there without any scruples. Right, exactly. Here's where I've had a bet with that. I want to simultaneously target both because I want to be as employable as possible to anybody. I've been I'm running on like you guys thought Chase's unemployment situation was bad. I know. Mine's way worse. I know, I know, I know. Bring it all. This is just more visible. It was more. Do we have a website to track your employment? Not yet. Need to get on that. Little dot info. But like I said, just just give a a pass by on the companies. Make a list of the companies of your of your area. That's if that's the area you want to work in and it's in your region that's how you're going to be able to see what you need to focus first cuz you want to try your chances nearby i assume don't, don't forget of, that some some companies will let you work from home uh, yeah. for example the one i work at and we hire people who we often hire people who have a track record of community contribution so you can build up quite a portfolio on github Rather than mm-hmm. um, having uh, a CV that's based on experience from companies, if your if your yep. if your personal contributions to projects are significant enough, that can be enough of a CV. I agree. In fact, um, I've I've always you know I. I it's really a mistake to hire somebody based on what distribution they know. What you really want to know is how adept are they at Linux and how fast can they adapt? Because truth right. be told, distros change a shit ton over five, six yeah. years. And so like one distro will have Zen for a couple of years. And then that distro, even though it's a huge enterprise distro in the next release, will switch to KVM. And then the next release will switch to systemd. And then the next release will, will totally integrate Docker containers and reformat. You know, like it's just, it's always changing, right? And, and so you, to get too locked into which distro is kind of like it's sort of like this accidental um, getting locked into how Linux is today. Really, it's more about what you already do, staying informed, following the trends, seeing the new technologies. How do those adapt to workloads? Exactly. How would I integrate those? And and you know maybe today you're going to deploy that package using Yum, but in two years when you're sitting at a Red Hat Enterprise Linux box, you're going to be using DNF, right? And it's it doesn't it I, it doesn't really matter. It changes anyways. I get what you're saying. At well, the same time, that's anyway. a very that's a very difficult metric to codify. 
Right, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's I, I was about to say uh you're probably better off uh to do something to show people that you're worth uh for them to be trained uh than uh train training yourself to be to get hired by some specific company because that just may not work out. Yeah, well Here's one thing I've noticed, and lately I was just kind of trolling some stuff in, well, not really trolling, but going through some stuff on LinkedIn, and I did come across a job posting for somebody, and they basically said um, they wanted, like, four years of CentOS experience, specifically. Yeah. I was like, what? Okay. Hmm. It's if Linux. I, if I could pass yeah. along two pieces well, of advice yeah, that have yeah. gotten me through some really rough points in time, it's, one, who you know. Be where the people that you want, yeah. you want to be hired from yeah. are conventions, yeah, right. anything you can do to be in their face. I've gotten work with people. Um, one company comes to mind specifically dating years back that I'm still with to this day that happened because I asked a question. I got in yeah. the guy's face. I asked two questions. Next, Within a month's time, I had actually developed a contract with this company. Yeah. Get, it, get in their awesome. face. The guy well, interviewed Eric, it from just so happens that question. you know – well, hold on, now, let, Linux podcast. hold on. Hold on. Let uh, let uh, Colonel Linux go because he's hiring guys to work on Linux all the time. Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. Well, I was just going to say when we were at uh, when we were at Self Q5 and the guy we interviewed for Arch not Arch Assault, he was doing the other booth. He was doing the uh, the Scepter, the 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 thin PC. He got his job the year before at Self. Because he walked up to the booth and said, this is really cool. What are you guys doing here? And the guy gave him a job right on the spot. Well, so I, I guess – so when you're looking – you know, so you, you're hiring some guy who's going to cover for you when you're going to things like Self, you're going to uh, OSCON, you're going to Ohio Linux Fest. Yeah. How do you know that guy you're going to hire is going to be able to handle a Linux problem when it comes up? What – test can you give him and the reason why i ask that is because maybe eric could take that and reverse engineer it and kind of figure out you know what to expect so what do you, so, like what do you look for Noah? well we so i won't per, personally just because the the community of small word spreads fast i can't take a chance on 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 measuring that metric wrong i won't i won't let somebody work out unless uh, go on their own unless they've been with me for six or seven weeks and i they come around and then we go through and go over all the stuff that we do and then after that i i let them run solo but um, pl places like um, what was the, we did an interview at at Linux Fest Northwest, yeah. and that's exactly what they do. They have a test that uh, I oh, can't remember right. the name. Do you know what I'm talking oh, about? Yeah, I do, but I don't remember the name either. Go back and look at the Northwest episode, Eric, because they have a there. There was a there was a group there that essentially what you do is you go to their site and you can take their tests, and then they send those to potential. And so an employer goes out and they say, "I'm looking for somebody that knows Rel six then this company will say, here are the people that have successfully completed a test with 80% or higher in RHEL 6. So that uh, might be a thought, too. Uh, I'll take a look at that. I'll take yeah, a look at the show. That was, yeah. it's there. That's very cool. That but one thing you also want to watch out for yeah. is the worst thing you can ever do is be that guy that is, like, you could be the best, the most certified RHEL 6 expert, and then they ask you to use RHEL 7, and you're like, well, I'm not certified for that. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, Never be that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Textbook yeah. smart, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but can't problem solve your way out of a paper bag. Are you talking yeah. about Cisco guys? Yeah. Oh. Yes. 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 yes, I am talking about Cisco guys.